Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Black Girl Burnout. Kelly here. And today we are back with our second part of our three-part conversation with Dr. Jennifer Gomez. This portion of the conversation is going to be all about joy. We talked about how to opt out of struggle around the issues of abuse in the Black community. But now let's switch to talking about joy. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking to Jennifer about how she experiences and opts into joy in her professional life, even if on the surface it may seem like that would be a challenge given the nature of the subjects that she studies. All right, let's jump back in to the conversation with Dr. Jennifer Gomez and learn about how she brings joy into her professional life. All right. So we have talked about opting out of silence and opting out of struggle. That's one of the themes of the podcast, but it's critically important that I always talk about opting out of struggle means opting into something else, Mm -hmm. right? If we're leaving something behind, we got to pick something up. And I, and as I said that I do believe that there are cultural myths and historical lies that make black women feel that they are, that their legacy truly, that their inheritance is one of struggle. And that the truth is, I believe that our inheritance and our legacy is one of joy. It is one of community. It is one of abundance. Like that is in our DNA. Mm-hmm. And that is not something that we talk about. And so we have to opt out of that lie and opt into a life that gives us those things because that's our actual inheritance. That's a legacy. And so I like to talk about folks about how they do that. And we're going to talk about this professionally because one of the things I'm always interested in, and as someone who's done this work for a while and, and before that I was a, a clinical therapist, full transparency, I was not always opting into joy when I was working with folks that have PTSD and when I was doing the work with sexual trauma and people talking about, you know, I've been raped and I'm being shunned or those things that I was not always living a life of joy, but that it is possible. And that's why I'm really excited to have you on, not just talk about the problem facing black women, but the joy, like, how do you, so my question for you is for you personally, how have you been able to opt into what I'm calling our inheritance, having joy having community, having kind of abundance while doing this work that is centered around violence, Uh centered around sexual assault, centered Mm -hmm. around cultural betrayal, the word betrayal, (laughs) 
yeah. centered around betrayal. How do you maintain joy in your professional? We'll talk about personal later, but professionally, how are you able to engage with this work with a measure of joy? I think, I mean, multiple things. The first thing is that even in the first part, we're talking about these terrible things. There, this might sound crazy, but there, there's beauty in stating the truth and there's joy in yeah. just like saying how things are and freedom with that. So I think that's, that's a, a first thing and one that's very easy. For me, I have over the years shifted my focus. Um, I've been doing research for, I think, like 15 years or so. And most of my career, my student life and my professional career have been spent documenting the harm. Here's how many people are being abused. Here it's linked with this mental health stuff, with this physical health stuff and so on. And it came to a point a couple years ago where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't keep saying this is terrible and then having like nothing else. And so... My colleague, Dr. Lars Johnson, and myself put together a series of questionnaires to test cultural betrayal trauma theory, and we include a post-traumatic growth questionnaire in there. Now, post-traumatic growth includes like spirituality, activism, relationships, uh, emotions, like being able to like feel emotions, being able to support other people, like all these different things. And that's within this cultural betrayal multidimensional inventory for Black American adults in that inventory where you also measure like cultural betrayal and violence and trafficking, you have this built in, what's the good stuff? You know, every time it's being measured, that's being measured at the same time. With my book, it was the same of the first half of the book is like, everything's terrible all the time. I'll tell you how. And then the second half is like, how do we do therapy? Like, how do we do culturally competent, trauma-informed, like, transformative healing, not just, you know, reducing symptoms of some disorder, but actually experience happiness and joy. And there's a chapter on radical healing in the black community on the individual, the family level, the community level, like what do we do here? And then the last chapter is institutional courage to change the world. Um, Institutional courage coming from Jennifer Fry, founder of the Center for Institutional Courage, but saying here, like, if the world were peaceful, peaceful, so like no violence, and then also not oppressive. There was no racism or sexism or intersectional oppression, like the both thing going on. Like, what would that world be like? And what responsibility do our institutions and our societies have to change that? And so for me to be able to continue this work, to not be burnt out, um, I had to shift the focus, not just saying it's terrible, I promise, I'll show you some more stats from our research, but saying like, here's what we can be doing. And I think that shift also accompanied my own personal like shift or journey that like healing is very possible. And depending on like which lens you're looking through, if you're looking like the world's on fire, you know, now has been for a really long time. And it's very obvious to see how violence has ravaged the black community and all communities. If you're looking in that direction, you'll see it. But if sexual violence, rape, gang rapes, all these terrible things, like so many of us experience it, and yet we're successful people, like yes, professionally, many of us, yes, personally, many of us, some of us are mothers, some of us, you know what I mean? Like we all have these huge lives. And so 
the the triumph of the human spirit, the triumph of pulling from kind of like like talking about our lineage, like our lineage also of joy and using humor and people who have fought the fight before, but also who have enjoyed life before amidst the fight. This isn't the only time that the world's been on fire. You know what I mean? And we've still been able to find joy. And I think a shift in me personally of just that healing and healing is an ongoing iterative thing is possible. And the goal of, of being or behaving as if one is untraumatized or never victimized actually isn't, it's not possible, um, but it, it's not optimal. You know, like the things that we experience, though, the way that we can understand and the way that we work with other people and develop connections, like we become wiser, we become kinder, you know, like you can shift to those things by yourself and with community. And so it's a shift that I had to take um, in my personal life, just my own way of thinking about this, but also professionally, because it just was being like, once a year, I want to quit. You know, once a year, I'm like, I'm good on this. Like, I cannot do this anymore. And so if I, if that life isn't good enough for me, you know, then I need to say like, what, what needs to change? Something needs to change. This isn't sustainable what you're doing. I don't know about you, but I have opted out of struggle when it comes to meal prepping and eating high quality food. With ButcherBox, you get incredible deals on premium cuts, deals as good or hard to come by at the grocery store. I know for myself, I do not like having to plan out everything I eat and then also be concerned about the quality of what I'm eating. When it comes to ButcherBox, it means less trips to the grocery store for me. It means knowing immediately in my freezer what's available and feeling confident about what's in there. It's about the value that ButcherBox offers. I mean, where else can you get free protein for a whole year? With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering our listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. Three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a whole year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Sign up today at butcherbox.com BGB and use code BGB to choose your free offer and get $20 off. What if 2024, you got a little bit better every day? Well, when you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. You don't need to pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. I have loved using Babbel. As you may know, I used to live in Italy and Babbel helped me be able to speak to vendors, navigate vacation spots, ask for directions. It just made life easier. Babbel's 10-minute lessons are quick and handcrafted by hundreds of language experts that you can start learning to speak a language in as little as three weeks. It's designed by real people for real conversations. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com BGB. Get 50% off 
at babbel.com slash BGB, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BGB. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, Kelly here. Are you following us on social? If not, what are you waiting for? Let's keep the conversation going. On Instagram and TikTok, it's at Black Girl Burnout. And on Twitter, it's BLK Girl Burnout. And of course, there's our website, blackgirlburnout.com. Connect with us there. All right, now back to the episode. Everything is up in flames. I said all that I have to say. Yeah, I really think that that is what you've hit upon, right? It's like to, to sustain yourself in this kind of work. And the reason why I love this discussion is because this work is obviously what, like, it's not everybody's out here doing this kind of work, right? Yeah. Everyone's living their lives and they're living a very different life than people who study sexual violence for yeah. a living all day long and stay in that. But the shift is the same. Yes. That I think every Black woman feels that they're in a fight of some mm-hmm. kind, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Every Black woman feels as doing some level of advocacy for self, for community, for yeah. family, every day of our lives. Yeah. And yet you cannot have a kind of activism or an advocacy. You cannot have uh, moving forward or fighting, like, you know, whatever the language is, I'd say a moving forward in a without the joy that yeah. you cannot do both because you cannot stay in a state of the bad, of the negative and still expect to be really successful. Yeah. And so that's like the first piece that came to me is, is that like, you can't stay professionally in the negative and make a difference, truly make an impact that you want to make, that it has mm-hmm. to include the joy. It is the only mm-hmm. way to do mm-hmm. it. Yes, I, I agree completely. And I would add that, like, what are we fighting for? You know what I mean? Are we really, are, are what, we, what are we doing? <laughs> what are we? Thank you. Like, are we fighting for? the joy for people who come after us, they have value, their lives have value. But we, as also part of the same community, we shouldn't be joyful. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's, not, it's illogical. It doesn't make sense. Um, and so being like, if I believe that future people shouldn't have to deal with X, Y, or Z and should be able to live free and happy lives, then why is it okay for me to live a miserable, awful life um, you know, or to be pushing that point? It doesn't make sense because I have value just like the future people have value, right? Just have, we all have value. Like I'm one of those people who has value. Um, and I think that piece is so important. And I mean, I'm down advocating and everything else. Um, and I, I'll say this because I've told it to myself many times of like my value does not rise and fall based on the impact I make for other people. I have inherent value as a human being, as a black woman, um, as a gen, you know what I mean? Like I have inherent value in myself. And so I choose to make a difference in these ways. And it's important to me and to my self-concept to be hopefully doing better in the world and having an impact. And when I'm sitting down doing nothing at all, chilling out, I'm valuable. You know, and yes. I think that piece is very important because otherwise, at least for me, I, I can I can turn it around in my head to say like I'll be joyful to be able to fight the good fight. You know what I mean? So I'm 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 joy in service of other people still, um, and still subjugating myself and what I need or what I want, you know? And I think both are true of like to sustain it, 
at all. And with any measure of anything constructive, there needs to be joy. And as far as we all can tell, like we got one life to live, you know, and, and at least one of this life, you know? Right. Um, so let's, let's have joy in it. <laughs> let's have laughter. Let's have peace. Let's have rest. Let's have connection. You know, otherwise why, why bother with fighting? Amen to that. I, I, 100%. And just to follow along with that, the only other thing I would add to have us talk a little bit about is no matter what your profession, there is an addiction to hustle culture, mm-hmm. right? It's particularly for black women. I don't know a black woman who doesn't have fi- like a side hustle, a main job, a dream we're working on, right? And you talked mm-hmm. about the ability professionally to disconnect and to just rest. I want to talk a little bit about that. And then when we talk about your personal life, but to acknowledge that, to have us acknowledge into the room that because of historical and cultural yes. myths, black women yes. work 500 times harder mm-hmm. and cannot understand professionally what the concept of rest or joy mm-hmm. is. Like mm-hmm. hustle culture is like you are showing up if you have done 50 things. And yeah. to be a helper, which I think so many Black women identify as, even if their job mm-hmm. isn't what your job is or my yeah. job is day to day, they see themselves as helpers. Mm-hmm. And yet they're helping at this like toxic hustle level mm-hmm. of not being able to sit peacefully mm-hmm. and consider that professional development. Right. Mm-hmm. Consider that professional growth or yeah. professional goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, I think the there's myth and there's reality and they and they come together of like if you I believe that I have my job because I'm better than a lot of people. If I were average, then I wouldn't have this job. If I were just good enough, I wouldn't have this job. They would never hire me because I'm not a white man. You know what I mean? I right. have to be better. Um, and so there is a reality in that. Um, but that's a fallacy. Right. You know what I mean? So like I just finished my annual review and counting up all the different publications, the different talks, the different this, the different that. And it was very like a from like a capitalist way of looking at myself and my work of like, what are the numbers? How much have I produced um, in a way that I just found so disgusting and was trying to figure out, like, why am I bothered by this? And it's like I don't do the work to puff out my chest and, and show the numbers. I do it because I think that it has an impact, you know? And so it's like, it's true. I have to do the annual review for my job. Um, and I don't have to believe the hype that the value I have in the work is the same as the value that my employer has in the work that I do. You know what I'm saying? And I I just think that in terms of the idea that like you must show up and be better, it's like, yeah, but they're racist. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like they're racist and sexist. And so, and etc. homophobic and Islamophobic and all these different things yeah. that, that take different, different, uh, different ways. But it's just like, why am I, fr- and it's another thing for me, why am I framing my entire life on trying to get a card-carrying bigot or a run-of-the-mill white person with racism problems and bigotry problems to please enjoy me, please like me, please think that I'm smart. Like I had to shift who my community was in academia, which is like predominantly white, who is my community, who is my in-group, who am I responsible for? Like it matters to me that black people, that black women in particular, um, with its cultural portrayal and sexual abuse, that they, we understand this work and think it's valuable. Yes. You're my yes. people, you're my group. And if other people understand it, like I'm down, like they can come here if they want to, but that's not why I do the work. I do it for them. And so even that reframe, or at least for myself, has made it so that 
I'm not constantly living with like a tiny clansman in my head who's dictating how much I work and when I work and what part of my work is valuable, what part of my work is not. Like there's invisible labor and I'm like emotional labor as a, as a professor. Um, I'm sure there are lots of jobs, um, but I find value in that work. Yes. You know, it, it can be invisible to them every day and twice on Sundays. Um, I know what I'm doing and I find value in it. Um, and I think that distance between like, yes, there's a reality of racism and sexism and the same from like opting out of the myths. We can opt out of these myths and opt into how do we want to appraise our work and our value and what our work life should be like is like. Lovely. I, all of that. And, and more related to that, you talk about again, choosing your community mm-hmm. and reframing what your community is in the professional yeah. realm. And the second piece of that, you've said this before, you said it earlier what am I fighting for? What are we fighting for? And if we're not, if ourselves isn't a part of that, like reframing, like we're fighting to be validated by random people, validated by people, systemic racism and people who perpetuate it every day, whether they know it or not, what are we actually and actively Mm -hmm. fighting for? And it starts with us. And professionally, it it starts, it starts with us. And so I, I really, Thank you for bringing that concept in because I don't think people, it's a new way of thinking about work and and what we do and how we, how we do it. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Anytime. (laughs) (laughs) Your check's in the mail. (laughs) All right. We're going to shift in our last segment. We're going to talk about personal. And so I will see you all back when we talk about personal peace. So that's it for today's episode. Here are a few ways where you can support this podcast. First things first, if you haven't subscribe and follow the podcast, we're streaming on all major platforms. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, just to name a few. Subscribe and get each new episode as it drops. Secondly, subscribe to the newsletter. We have a monthly newsletter that is chock full of goodness and updates, as well as first access to all the giveaways we do here at Black Girl Burnout. Are you following us on our socials? If not, what are you waiting for? You can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Black Girl Burnout and on Twitter at BLK Girl Burnout. Last but not least, make our day and leave a review. Your five stars truly Give me and the team so much energy and we appreciate you so much. Until we speak next, take care of yourself and take care of each other. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.